Now, if I gave you just a split second, and I said the friend, the coworker, the family member who you wish knew God the way you knew God, did you have a name pop in your head just like that? It's instinctual. Just like that, we know that there are people walking around that we interact with every single day who do not have an accurate biblical view of God. And we're confident in our faith that if they did, then they would have a faith in him like you have in him. And so I want to really encourage you and urge you and do whatever I need to do to convince you from now to Easter especially, would you please use this opportunity, use this series, use what we're walking through to invite one of those coworkers, those family members, friends, someone along with you that, that would sit right next to you on Easter Sunday. Because uh, Easter Sunday, we're, we're going to really, really come hard at this idea of this God who is passionate about us. And so that's coming up April 5th. In fact, we're doing two services right here instead of our one specifically to accommodate that. We recognize some of you like it's just built in. It's like ingrained tradition and family or the person you're inviting, it's ingrained in that they're going to brunch or something. 8.30 is a great option for you to bring them to and still be able to do that stuff. And so consider the invitation at that 10.30 time. Uh, for the others of us, you know, just getting the kids ready in an Easter outfits and the little ones finding eggs in your backyard and that kind of stuff that happens early, we know 10.30 might be a better option for you. But uh, we'll provide everything at 8.30 and 10.30. And so we, we pray you use that opportunity. For some of you who are just so like bold about evangelism, you might need to come at 8.30 and then you're like, so experience what God did at 8.30 that you like get on the horn right away and say, you've got to come with me. Two hours is happening again. Um, that kind of thing. So you use those however you need. I want to say hi to my friend Kevin O'Connor, who's here this morning. One of our, our partner churches in Asheville uh, that, that Kevin partners. I think Kevin purposely like doesn't tell me he's coming um, because he knows he would be up here doing this uh, if I knew. And don't giggle because that's true, isn't it, Kevin? Yeah, I know. I saw the Facebook pictures. I knew you were here. Uh, so let's talk about this this morning. The God I wish you knew guides us. The God I wish you knew guides us. Did you actually know that in our Christian faith that this God we read about in the Bible actually says, look, I don't just want to kind of create the world and set you in motion. I actually would like to be involved in what you're doing in this life. And if you will trust me, I'll kind of guide you through it, and I'll give you the best life that's possible here on this earth. The God I wish you knew actually guides us through this. Now, if you're like me, um, and I, I'm sure you are in this area, I could count many, many, many times where I just decided I was going to go on my own plan, on my own path in life, and I rarely, in those instances, even thought about conferring with Scripture or talking to God about it, I just had a good plan and I launched into it and I ran down the road with it. Now, every once in a while, that still worked out pretty good for me, but I could share with you many stories where it didn't work out so good for me as well. And I know that there's probably been my own spiritual mentors at those times in my life said, hey man, Tom, I know you got a Christian testimony and all, but the God I wish you knew will guide you through life. You don't have to create your own plan for everything and so that's what we're talking about this morning. Here's the overarching verse to kind of cap it off. So Psalm 32, verse 9, here's what it says. Do not be like a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit or bridle to keep it under control. And God is saying, look, I don't want to have to stick a bit in your mouth. 
I don't want to have to yank you left and right to get you to actually go where you need to go. I'm not really a horse person, but I understand the concept. God's saying, yeah, I don't want that to be the way I lead you and guide you. Now, sometimes God said, now I'll do it. <laughs> but that's not the way I'd like to do it. I'd like to have this loving trust relationship where you don't have to be like that. And I don't have to fight you on it. But I can guide you and you'll experience what there is for you out there. So keep that verse under wraps, and we're going we're gonna to walk through this now uh, and talk about this, this God who guides us. And we find that in the Old Testament, there's this story. Now, it, it spreads out a long way in the Old Testament. Uh, in fact, a lot of the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch books of the Bible, it spreads out. So we won't read every verse this morning, unless you'd like to hang out here till eight or nine at night, which I got time. I got time. No. Okay, so we'll just hit a few verses instead. But I want to show you how God is teaching us and telling us that he guides us. Number one, we find in this story, all the way back in Exodus, we find that God guides us out of bondage. Like when God enters your life and God wants to enter your life, you know what God is really saying to you? Look, I will take you out of your present situation. I'll take you out of your present bondage, out of whatever you're dealing with. I would like to guide you out of it. So the people uh, of God, the Israelites, they were at this point slaves in the Old Testament, the book of Exodus, right? They're slaves in Egypt. Now it all started off really nicely. They, they went to Egypt during a drought and a famine, and uh, Joseph was second in command in the whole kingdom, and it was just a wonderful time. But they got a little fearful of how many Israelites multiplied, and there was a lot of them, and they decided, hey, we better make these Israelites slaves to us now. And so they were slaves, and it was a long, long time that they were slaves. God enters the picture through uh, Moses, and you know what he does for his people? He brings them out of captivity. He brings them out of slavery. Exodus chapter 12, starting in verse 40, it says this, The length of time that the Israelites had lived in Egypt was 430 years. 430 years. I mean, none of us are 430 years old. Well, a couple of you. But, but not, most of us are not. We can't even dream that long. And that's how long they had been slaves or they had been in Egypt. At the end of the 430 years... On that precise day, all the, all the Lord's people in military formation left the land of Egypt. They were no longer slaves. They left. For the Lord, that was a night of intent watching to bring them out of the land of Egypt. For all Israelites in every generation, this same night is a time of intent watching to honor the Lord. This verse is telling us, like, he took them out of slavery out of captivity, out of bondage, into freedom. Immediately, they were in freedom. Now, they had a bunch of uh, ar- army following after them that wanted to kill them, but they were headed to freedom. They were free. And that's exactly what God wants to do first in our life when he says, I'd like to guide you. I want to guide you out of the junk of your life. I mean, if you're sitting here this morning and you could just say, say I'm, I'm involved in some form of junk. I mean, I've I've got some addiction, some sinful addiction that I can't seem to shake or get rid of in my life. Or I, I've got some terrible decisions I made, and like I'm living with the ramifications of that decision daily, and whether it's debt or relational issues, and, and you're living with it every single day. You can't figure out how to escape it. And God, just like the Israelites, says, look, 
I would like to guide you out of that bondage. I'd like to guide you out of that slavery. I'd like to take you and give you freedom and let you experience that in your life. You see, when we read God's word, Genesis all the way through Revelation, we find that it's not just a storybook, which which is a phenomenal story. But all the way along the story, it's like these little timeouts where God says, now let me teach you what I'm trying to say here so that you can have better life and you can function better and not have to deal with the bondage of sin or unwise decisions. And so here he's telling his people, I want you to be free. And that's the first thing God does. He guides us out of bondage and into freedom. And here's the problem sometimes, is that we, lo- we fall in love with the Christian story, and we fall in love with what Jesus did on the cross for us, and we want to walk that way, but we forget that bondage keeps us a slave, that the things that Christ wants to free us from, they can't go with us, or we never really become free. And so many of us, we enter this life of, we say a prayer, and we become a Christian, and but we enter this life with like these shackles and we don't want to let go of those. We, we like to kind of carry them with us. And we'd like to live this kind of dual life that Ezekiel talked about you know, two weeks ago where he says, well, quit wavering between these two lives. Follow Christ and know that he's bringing you freedom. And so that's the first way he wants to do is he wants to guide us out of bondage. And the God I wish you knew this morning has the power to do just that. So if you're sitting here this morning and there's some bondage in your life, there's some addictive sin in your life, if there's some just just penance you're dealing with of past issues, unwise decision, whatever, the God I wish you knew will take you from that bondage. He wants to bring you to freedom. Now, on earth, we still deal with sometimes the ramifications of things that we've done. You don't become a Christian and all of a sudden, you know, they let you off death row. Um, So that doesn't quite work that way. But there is a freedom that God wants to deliver us from as he did with his people in Egypt. It's not the end of the story. We find the second thing is God wants to guide you on a new journey. Now, why would God want to bring you into freedom in your life and then let you live your life just the same way that you've always lived it? doesn't make any sense at all. He wants to take you on a new journey, somewhere different, something you have not experienced entirely. Check this out uh, in the scripture, the same story, it's just one chapter over in Exodus 13. It says, the Lord went in front of them during the day in a column of cloud to guide them, and at night a column of lightning, your translation might say fire, to give them light. This way they could travel during the day and at night. The column of uh, cloud during the day and the column of lightning at night never left its place in front of the people. What's that scripture telling us? Uh, first of all, God does an amazing thing. I mean, this, this smoke and fire, and that was how that, that God led them. But it says that God doesn't just say, hey, I want to set you free. You're free now. Now figure it out. He says, I want to take you on a new journey. I'm going to guide you in this journey. I will get right in front of you, and with the Israelites here, I'm going to make myself so clear that I am the one in front of you. All you have to do is follow it. All you have to do is walk forward and be guided by that on this this new journey in our life. It's amazing how many times uh, for anything we start in life that we falter on what we're starting fairly quick. 
Any of you had a hard time making it really like two days in your New Year resolution this year? Your workout program kind of went by the wayside and, and uh, you know, that Atkins program lasted about three days. Uh, I mean, the bars are real good, but, you know, I mean, you want your bread, right? And we just kind of crash on those things all the time. And we find it happens a lot in our Christian walk, too, that when God wants to go before us and guide us on this new journey— that it's almost like we're saying, well, kind of like the old journey. <laughs> kind of miss the old journey. In fact, here's a really neat thing. If you flip back just one verse, this is, this is pretty cool. You, you might have read this, but let me read it to you. It says, when Pharaoh let the people go, God didn't lead them by the way of the Philistines, even though that was a shorter route. God thought if the people have to fight and wage war, they'll run back to Egypt. And what is God saying there? It's like, I'm not going to lead them this way. Because if I lead them this way, their old life's going to look really appealing. So I'm going to lead them a different way. And you know the way he led them, right up to the Red Sea. You know, I mean, could you imagine, hey, we're free, we're out here, new journey. Okay, now what do we do? How do we get across? And God does this miraculous thing of parting the Red Sea so that they can go across. See, God knows what he's doing when he guides us. And he wants to guide us on a new journey. Listen, if you're a believer in Christ, maybe you're a new believer today, if your journey looks the same as your journey looked before you became a Christian, can I just say with confidence, you are not being guided by God. You're not following the cloud of smoke or the cloud uh, or the pillar of fire. Because God wants to lead us on a new journey, something totally different than he led us on or than we led ourselves on previously. Do you know that in this journey that we find that God even provided for his people the things that they needed? I mean, middle of the desert, right? And uh, I mean, it's not like they had time to take provision for a long journey. And so they're, they're out there. And, and we find this in chapter 16. In the evening, a, a flock of quail flew down and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a, a layer of dew all around the camp. And when the layer of dew lifted, there was there was on the desert surface were thin flakes, as thin as the frost on the ground. When the Israelites saw this, they said to each other, what is this? They didn't even know what it was. You see, God provides food for them while they're out there. Well, that made sense. If God's going to take them on a new journey, he's not just going to take them out there and say, hey, now fend for yourself. God will provide for us what we need for this journey. Now, notice that God doesn't say out there in the middle, hey, and then God provided direct TV for them so they could have entertainment while they were in the desert. Now, if you got direct TV, it's okay. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying when God takes you on a new journey, though, God wants to provide what you need for the journey. Our struggle sometimes is confusing what we need for the journey and what we don't need for the journey. But they provide. We find that a cha- one chapter later, God provides water for them. You ever thought about that? Going out through the desert, through the wilderness, with probably up to a million people. The Bible says 600,000 men with children besides. I mean, that's a lot of people, a million or so. And he provides water for them to drink. An important thing, right, for them to have. And God provides this way. Here's a great passage. We don't even think about this in God's provision. Uh, chapter 19, starting in verse, or excuse me, 18, starting in verse 17. Moses' father-in-law said to him, what, what you are doing isn't good. You will end up totally wearing yourself out. 
both you and these people who are with you. The work is too difficult for you. You can't do it alone. Now listen to me and let me give you some advice. And may God be with you. Do you know what he's saying there? God guides you on a new journey. And guess what? He's going to bring people along to help you on that journey as well. I've heard this passage so many times, but I've heard it come from like my father-in-law's mouth. And then there was, in Scripture, it was actually a Bible passage, you know, but, but my father-in-law has shared that with me. You, you can't do that alone. You're going to wear yourself out. You know, you need people to come along with you, and I'm going to give you some advice on this. That's what is being said, that you don't have to do this journey alone. God will bring people into your life to help you and to guide you. People that you can trust, solid, biblical Christians who will give you excellent advice. So God guides us on this new journey and he offers this to us. And, and finally, and I think this is the exciting thing, is that God guides us to a new home. That's where he wants us to go. A new place that we would call, this is home, this is where I dwell. You may remember back towards the beginning of Exodus, this passage, chapter 6, verse 8. I'll bring you into the land that I promised to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'll give it to you as your possession. I am the Lord. A new home, the promised land. You see, the new journey wasn't just to get them out into the wilderness and to, to, to go on this journey out there and to provide, but, but to have a new home, a place where I'd say, this is the promised land. As the Bible says, a place flowing with milk and honey. That's the place he's guiding them and directing them to. And we've all heard many sermons that, that use this as the metaphor and the promised land being heaven eventually that we enter into. But can I tell you, especially what we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks, you know, the God I wish you knew wants you to experience promised land and home right here on this earth as well. It won't be necessarily like the heaven home, the life 3.0 that we talked about last week, but it's pretty good when Christ leads us and guides us here on this earth and we walk that way. He wants to give us a new home. And I would guess to say in a group this size, there's some of you that just living in your present situation, living in what you would call this is my present home, this is life, you would say this is just not good. There's got to be so much more here. And God says, look, I want to guide you to something better. I want to guide you to a new home so you can put your roots down and you can say this, this is where God dwells with you. This is the place. And so we find that in Scripture. Now, here's your job. You can, on your own, because we don't have time to unpack it, you can go back and read this whole story because you're going to pull out a lot more stuff that God is doing as he guides his people. Here's the second thing you need to do as you're reading. Every single thing I just read you about God guiding, go back and when you read the book of Exodus into Leviticus, the numbers Deuteronomy. Now, it gets a little bogged down in there with a lot of names and genealogies. Just hang on. Right, but when you get back there and you read that story, your second assignment, find out how many times the people balked at God and then find out what the result was. It's an amazing part of the story that we just don't have time to break down. But in everything I just shared with you, you only have to go in some instances a couple verses over to find where the people grumbled and complained, said no. In one instance, even melted down their, their jewelry and made a golden calf to worship. 
It's an amazing story, so you can look and follow that type of stuff in there, and I think you'll be impacted in your own devotions this week if you'll do that. So the question comes then, as we, we know in this story that God guides and leads us to the promised land, and the question comes with, how do I really know if God is the one guiding me? How do I know that it's God who's guiding me? I come up with a lot of good ideas in my head. I mean, as far as I know, they're really, really good ideas. Sometimes when I'm sitting with my staff on Monday or my board meetings on, on Thursday nights, sometimes I'll tell them, hey, this is like the first time I've verbalized this idea. And then I will say it. And once it comes out in like word form, I go, that sounds stupid. So I, I don't know where I came up with that. I've learned that Ideas at about 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night while I'm laying down to go to sleep and, you know, they're rolling through my head are never quite as good as when I review them in my head the next morning. Um, but I want to ask a question. How do we know it's God guiding us? How are we sure that it's God who is the one speaking to us? So four things quickly that I want to walk through this morning. And I want to tell you, these all work together. These all work together. So if at the end of this you say, hey, I'm doing number three really good, I'll say, hey, excellent. You still might be missing it, God speaking to you. So number one is this. God guides us powerfully through his scripture. Guides us powerfully through his scripture. It means that when we take our Bible, that this is the dominant way that God has conversation with you. It's the dominant way that he wants to speak to us. I mean, there's a reason why this was written down and preserved and that you can actually read it today. There's a reason why when people translated this thing and they're, they're martyred for their faith and yet this book endured, there's a reason why it endured so that God could continue to speak to you through this word. It's amazing. Look, your Christian CDs that you got. Oh, we don't have CDs anymore. Your Christian music that you got, right? That is not God's dominant way that he wants to speak to you. Your pastor on Sunday morning, I am not the dominant way God wants to speak to you and have conversation with you. When you get together with your, your Christian friend over at the, the coffee shop and you have a great conversation, right, and they share their heart and you kind of say, hey, you know, I, I think God might be telling me to tell you this. Wonderful. It's not the dominant way God wants to have conversation with you. This is the way God wants to speak to you, to read and to know his word to know how he interacted with his people, what he put in motion, to know the story of scripture and that he was a loving God from the very beginning and that he was a God who was so hurt and disappointed by by just the, the lack of faith of his people. And yet even despite that, he keeps creating these ways to have relationship with him, even to the point that it cost him his own son. That's a story of scripture. And so this is where God wants to speak to us. In fact, I would say so much that if you're sitting here and you're thinking about making a decision and you're thinking about heading somewhere or doing something or dropping something, I would ask you this question, what Bible verse do you have attached to it? What scripture is God speaking to you about that situation from his word? What is it that he's telling you from here? Now, I recognize that you can take a lot of verses And you could manipulate one verse uh, for your own pleasure in a lot of different ways. I understand that. Um, My youth pastor in high school used to tell us that he was perfect because there was a a verse in Psalm that says, Mark the perfect man. 
That's what he claimed. It was perfect. But when we spend time in God's word, God speaks to us and he attaches scripture to us. So we go on to the second one, and this is equally as important. And God guides us powerfully through conversation with him. It's prayer we're talking about. Conversation, it's speaking to God. Do you know the most important part of prayer is not so much in God's answer and his response, of that's important, but it's in you going to God and speaking to him. It's going to God and petitioning to him. God, I don't know what to do. I'm struggling here. I really need your help in this area. It's you going to God and offering him praise and recognizing that, okay, God, uh, I love this and I know I had a part in this, this accomplishment, but I go to you first. I give you praise and thanksgiving that that you accomplish this through me. It's going to him and spending our time that way. We find in Luke chapter 6, verse 12, it says, One day soon afterward, Jesus went up a mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. You ever prayed all night? Praying to God. This was Jesus' custom, we find, that he regularly stole away and prayed. Now, I'm nowhere close to as popular as Jesus. I mean, Jesus was walking down roads and crowds are just coming to him, you know, and they didn't have the social media and news networks and all that kind of stuff going on, yet Jesus constantly stole away time to pray. It really makes the times when we say we're too busy to pray seem, seem pretty minuscule, pretty made up, when Jesus, in, in his notoriety, would take time to steal away to pray to his Father. Philippians 4, 6 says it this way, don't worry about anything. Instead, do what? Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Incredibly simple verse. Well, don't worry about it. Just go to God and pray on it. Simple as that. And when you, when you go to him, uh, tell him what you need and thank him for what he's done. What a great simple pattern to go to in prayer. Can I just tell you, if you're, if you're not already familiar, and I know several of you are, Wednesday nights has become just like the highlight of my week to go and to pray with a bunch of men. Um, and I've been at churches for 25 years now. I've been a Christian for 25 years, and I've been in pastoral ministry for close to 20 years now, and I've never been part of a group of men that want to come together and pray like this. And so it's been pretty powerful. In fact, every Wednesday night, we hit around 8.30, and like, I'm trying to say, hey, guys, we got to wrap it up, you know, because... We got teens at my house, and <laughs> they got to go home. So, and because of what's happening through prayer. And I know there's just one pocket of prayer that's happening at the church for our future and for leadership and all those type of things. So God guides us powerfully if we spend conversation and talk with him. And guess what we find when we spend conversation? Things either make sense more or they don't make sense more. And we can walk away from that saying, you know what, God's not in that. Or God is in that. He's, he's guiding and directing me through the scripture I read, through the time that I've spent with him. And just like many things in our life, it takes a little while to get into something. And so if we rush to our prayer and we say 30 seconds or two minutes and we say, man, that was a good prayer time. God might be saying, you know, I, I was waiting to speak. Um, it was right, but you were done and you were gone. And sometimes it just takes a little longer to get into it, to hear from God. 
Here's the third one on how do we know it's God guiding us. God guides us powerfully through his Holy Spirit. It, meaning God guides us through his Spirit in the sense that sometimes I, I can't tell you clearly what, how it is that I, I know this is where I need to go, but, God, but I know that God is guiding me, and there's this confidence and boldness in this. I can back it up with Scripture. I've spent time praying on it, and then I'm, I'm ready to go and move forward because God's Spirit is saying, I'm in this. In fact, we find this Paul in the book of Acts. He says this at one of his times, and I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. You know what's waiting for him in Jerusalem? arrest, imprisonment, possible death. You know, he wasn't sure. Um, And yet he said, I'm bound by the Spirit. I have to do this. How do we, how does he know God was calling him? Well, God had called him already to do this. Go out and and take this collection of all the widows and then bring it back to Jerusalem. And along the way, he preached the gospel here, there. He caused ruckus everywhere he went. He got beat up sometimes, went right back in the city and preached and all that kind of stuff. And it's really, those are the reasons why it was more dangerous for him to go back. And yet he said, no, you know what? God called me to do this in the first place, and I'm finishing what God called me to do. That's the Holy Spirit leading and guiding him there. I have boldness. I have confidence that just this, this is what I want to do. Sometimes, uh, like in Paul's situation, we get into a situation where we know God led us, and we know God put us in that position, but it gets hard, does it not? It gets really tough. And yet God is saying, look, by my spirit, make it through. Can I just stop for just a moment and talk to Christians? Sometimes we fall in love so much with the concept that the spirit's work in our our lives has everything to do with just how we worship. In the sense of how do we sing? How do we express ourselves to God? In fact, so much so that we, we will often say something like if the, I mean, if the worship service is really like, man, that hit me hard, we say what? Well, the Spirit really moved in service this morning. Because there was a different expression. And, and I'm not to say that the Spirit wasn't working in a way maybe more powerfully than another. But you know what? It doesn't necessarily match up biblically. Because we find that in the Bible, there's really two very, very dominant features of the Holy Spirit. And there's several more. But two dominant features. You know what one is? To keep you from sinning. That's a dominant feature of the Holy Spirit. To help you overcome temptation. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, was led into the wilderness to be tempted by who? Satan himself. It was the Holy Spirit that led him, I mean, he, that went with him into the wilderness. And Jesus resisted the temptations of the evil one there. Which means if you're dealing with anything this morning, the Holy Spirit gives you power to resist. And we find in the book of Acts that the Holy Spirit gives us power to be a witness and to share our faith with other people, the power of the Holy Spirit. So if you're this week tempted and you resist the temptation, right, guess what? The Holy Spirit just fell. The Holy Spirit was just at work, just as powerfully as any time you saw hands were raised anywhere when you resist temptation, because that's the work of the Holy Spirit. This week, when you walk to your coworker, your family or friend, and you say, you know, hey, we're doing this series, and, and Easter's coming up, and I'd love for you to come and, and just be with me. I think you'd really get a lot out of it. Guess what? A Holy Spirit just came down right there in that situation, because that's, that's a, a feature of the Holy Spirit, a characteristic to help us be witnesses. 
So let's look at this last one here. God guides us powerfully through his people. Proverbs eleven fourteen says this, Without wise leadership, a nation falls. There is safety in having many advisors. What's it saying there is you can't make it on your own, just like Moses' father-in-law was speaking to him about you, you can't make it on your own. You need wise Christian counsel. Now, here's the danger. We like to draw to people who will tell us what we want to hear sometimes, do we not? If somebody would like come around and like pat me on the back and say, Tom, man, that is an awesome idea. You should go for that. But that's not what we need. We need mature, biblical Christians who would come alongside us and say, hmm, well, tell me the scripture you've got that goes with that. Tell me about the time you've spent in prayer. How would you discern the Holy Spirit speaking to you about that? We need wise counsel that would speak to us. So I was really interested in Shri before we got married. So... Um, I'm interested now. <laughs> I realize how that now sounded. All right. We'll rewind that. We'll edit that out, Steve. Edit that out of the recording for those who are listening this week. Um, I was really interested in her, as I am even more so today. All right. Um, and, you know, when, when I started talking to her, uh, she told me, she said, hey, you know, um, if you're interested in dating me, you have to actually go talk to my father first. You know, for most people, that's like to get married, but this was just to, if I wanted to go out on a date with her, period, I needed to go talk to her dad. So I did. I went downstairs in the library, one of the more nerve-wracking experiences of my life, at least to start. I mean, he made it very comfortable once we started talking. Um, but basically, that was, that was Cherie allowing an advisor into the situation, now, I thought that was pretty good. I mean, I talked to her dad. Her dad's a missionary and all. He's a good Christian guy and everything. But I didn't know there was like this list of people that I would need to go meet with and talk with. And, and they had to kind of say, yeah, okay, we're on board. And, you know, somehow by the grace of God, I passed the whole checklist and we were able to move forward in, in the relationship. Um, but it's like this passage that we need many advisors, we need many people that we would go to and we'd say, hey, I've been praying about this. I've been reading God's word, trying to discern on this. Can I just run it by you and would you share with me what you think? And then your responsibility, if you are that person, is to say, well, here's what the Bible says. You know, here's how I would pray about it with you or, hey, I need to go pray about that. And you share sound biblical advice with them. We all need it in every decision we make. Think about now the decisions you've made in your life. If you could go back now and you could just apply one biblical principle to that situation before you made it, would it not have turned out much better? I know for me it would have. I would have saved a lot of dollars had I done that and looked at the biblical principles before I spent, that's for sure. That's what God wants to do. So we look at things and we ask, how does God guide us? He guides us through his scripture through conversation, through prayer, through his Holy Spirit and that boldness that he offers, and through people confirming or telling us, no, you better halt on that. God guides us and directs us. Christians this morning, um, we've got to be guided by God. We are the worst witness in the world when we step forward in what we think is Christianity that's not guided by God and the character of God. And then we get ourselves into pitfalls as well 
that we hate to try to live ourselves out of. God this morning is saying, look, I want to guide you. I'll go before you in the daytime with this cloud and I'll go in front of you in the nighttime with this pillar of, of lightning and you will know I am God. And he says, and you know what that cloud and that lightning looks like today? Get in my word and talk to me. Stop in your day for a significant amount of time and pray with me. Be in touch with what my Holy Spirit really does in your life. Get a group of Christian counselors around you and friends that will really speak biblical truth into your life. That will be your cloud by day and your pillar by night. I'm gonna pray with you on this and I wanna allow during the prayer time that you, you may just need to stop and, and speak to God about something you're launching hard into right now. You may even be sitting like with your spouse and like one of you is on board and the other's not and, and uh, one of you are praying and the other's not. And um, well, I don't know what the situation is but I'm sure there's something in front of you that you need the guidance of God on this morning. And I wanna give you time in this prayer to, to seek him and talk to him. So let's pray. Father, I come to you and we thank you, Lord, that you are not a God who just sets it in motion and steps back and just says, go. But you are a God who is willing to walk with us through this new journey, this new adventure of life. And you provide the things that we need. And Lord, uh, you ask us just to keep communing with you. And Lord, in all this, you want to guide us and direct us. And Lord, we confess the time and we, even if there's anything unconfessed, Lord, we, we seek here for forgiveness for the times when we have, we've just gone our own way entirely and cared nothing about your guidance and the mess that we got ourselves into because of it. And Lord, this morning, I would recognize that there's probably people in this room that are, uh, they're on the verge of making decisions or they're just walking through life and they're kind of doing it their way and figuring out the best path for themselves and all the time there is you God who is saying I would like to guide them to better life if you you this morning I just want to give you a minute here would you just you just take whatever it is to God just start the conversation with God right now you can continue it all through the week but can I just give you a minute to go ahead and just start that conversation to God So, Lord, I pray you would receive all those started conversations. That we would recognize that you are God who wants to guide us. And, Lord, may we have great testimony to share about you with others because of the way we stopped and listened and followed your direction. I pray this all in your son's name. Amen. Amen. A couple things I want to.